Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Iraqi Voices. This is Hassan Haddad standing in for Mohammed Al-Wa'ali. Iraqi Voices is a podcast that showcases authentic perspectives and insights about current developments in Iraq. Iraqi Voices is produced by 1001 Iraqi Thoughts. Despite many dictatorships in the Middle East trying to mask the lacking legitimacy of their regimes with moral support for Palestine, it remains the central issue for the Arab and Islamic world. In the last two weeks, Israeli forces attacked the densely populated Gaza Strip, killing and injuring hundreds, including many women and children. Under the watch of the world, Israel bombed the building housing the Associated Press and Al Jazeera bureaus, showing again that journalism that dares to show the truth of Israel's actions will become a target. Today, I will talk with Nabih Boulos, the staff foreign correspondent in the Middle East for the Los Angeles Times, who is of Palestinian origin and has also spent many years reporting from Iraq. He will be talking to us about the ties between the Iraqi and the Palestinian people, and I will be asking him about the Iraqi people's response to the atrocities committed by the Israelis in Gaza. Welcome, Ustad Nabi. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Tell us about your impression of how this new round of conflict has been reported in the media. Well, so it's been clear that this time around, there's been more sympathy or perhaps more solidarity with the Palestinian side, or at the very least, there's been a greater willingness to show the Palestinian narrative a little bit more. So now this isn't to say that, that things are great in the U.S. in terms of covering Palestinian issues. I mean, I mean, obviously, the discourse is still far to the right of what many Arabs and Palestinians hope it would be. But at the same time, you're seeing lately a lot of these shows, for example, like The Daily Show and also, uh, uh, you know, so the one with John Oliver, you know, all of these shows are now showing you a situation with the Palestinians where they actually discuss Palestinian narratives and, and basically the censorship that have been facing Palestinians for a long, long time. This is, this is a big deal. So, for example, the other day we heard John Oliver actually use the F word. So he said the words um, that it was an effing war crime. You know, and this is with regards to Israel's actions. This is a huge deal, really unprecedented in U.S. media. And so, I mean, this is all part of a, of a larger sea change. This doesn't mean that things are okay. This doesn't mean that the discourse in the U.S. anyway has shifted to become pro-Palestinian in general. But it is definitely better than it used to be. And there is a greater willingness, whether it's in the media or indeed in Congress, to actually discuss Palestinian issues and the plight of Gazans and of obviously the censorship and the oppression they've been facing for really decades now. Right. Now, as a journalist of Palestinian origin, how does it make you feel to see the bureaus of your colleagues being bombed like this? Well, so let me ask, did you get a chance to actually see the footage? I did. I mean, it was surreal. I mean, the fact of the matter is this was a building in the middle of Gaza. It's been there for, you know, over a decade. And, and the AP and Al-Jazeera have been there for quite some time. And basically, I mean, they just had a live shot of this building being bombed slowly. You know, I mean, you see the bombs hitting it one side and then the other, and then the whole thing collapses. And you just have to ask yourself that what kind of a situation, uh, I, mean, I mean, how would one feel when they watch their place of work be destroyed like this in such a systematic fashion? I mean, yes, they had a warning, and that's, of course, better than having journalists being killed, like we saw in Iraq. I mean, Iraq, I mean, obviously, you've seen um, when we saw back in the Gulf War when, when you had Al-Jazeera journalists being killed, and obviously journalists in Syria and elsewhere have obviously become collateral damage, you know, or targeted directly, right? And in this case, uh, you know, it was a bit different, obviously, because, I mean, I mean, clearly Israel had warned the people inside to leave and all that stuff. 
But at the same time, it was very jarring somehow. It was, it was, it was I must say for me, it was, it was actually kind of an emotional moment. And not because people died, because they didn't in this case, but it was more about sort of what the attack meant and what it symbolized, right? That, that they were you know, acting with such impunity that they could go in there and bomb the Associated Press and Al Jazeera. I mean, even more than Al Jazeera, really just the AP, right? Which is the epitome of American news gathering, right? To go in there and just bomb it without caring. And then, of course, not presenting any evidence. This to me was just very jarring. And it remains to be so. And really, it speaks to how things are actually quite difficult, uh, you know, like when it comes to reporting on Israel-Palestine issues. So you mentioned symbolism here. Tell me what the what this symbolizes and what the message was, given that I'm sure somebody somewhere had the television tuned to these channels, you know, that, that do have uh, these live shots of Gaza. Somebody must have said, yes, that's the one, let's get it. What's the message when you do that? I mean, the message is clearly that basically people shouldn't see what we're doing in Gaza, right? I mean, I mean, whether it's an attack on the AP or Al Jazeera per se, or whether it's just an attack in general on coverage, I mean, the idea is that the Israeli government here didn't really want the, these, these outlets to be able to show just what's been happening in Gaza. And this is a huge problem, and it, and it speaks to the, to, the, to the difficulties people face in the Strip. I mean, whether it's basically censorship from Hamas, or whether it's censorship, you know, and, or, or just outright pursuit by Israeli drones and warplanes, this is a big problem over there. I mean, you think the Israelis would actually want the, I mean, the AP and Al Jazeera to be there. You would think that, actually. Right, right. Now, you've worked and written extensively about Iraq. How do the Iraqi people perceive the Palestinian cause these days? So, of course, I mean, it's been interesting to watch the discourse in Iraq in general, right? And, and for a while, of course, you had a lot of Palestine, I mean, a lot of Iraqis who would say, look, we have our own problems. This is not the time to worry about Palestine. You see all these other Gulf nations that are normalizing with Israel. It's different. You know, we should also do the same, right? And of course, you had others who would, who would tell you that the Palestinian cause, you know, has been used as a, as a, you know, as an excuse for bad governance or to cover up the mistakes of various governments and groups. And of course, we've seen how, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, pro-Iranian groups from the Hashad and elsewhere have instrumentalized the cause, the Palestinian cause, for various uh, reasons. So, I mean, of course, this is an issue, and this has, I think, soured a lot of Iraqis on the Palestinian cause. But with that being said, and I think this is true not just in Iraq, but in a lot of places in the Arab world, the discourse that, that Arabs are tired of the Palestinian cause and just don't want to think about it anymore, that's been proven to be wrong, I have to say. I mean, I mean, yes, of course, you know, in Syria and other places, you know, these might not have been the most sincere protests, right? So I was saying that, that you're seeing what's been happening here in the sense that all of these various Arabs in all different regions, in all different areas, they're actually coming out to protest against it. So, I mean, I think, you know, the issue of Sheikh Jarrah and the issue of Gaza, these two issues have really galvanized, I mean, both sympathy and solidarity with Palestinians across the board. It's changed things. And even so in Iraq, even with all the troubles in Iraq, even with all the problems there, I mean, Iraqis are still sympathetic to the Palestinian cause, and it's a big deal. I agree. Many Iraqis identify with the Palestinian cause as a moral and humanitarian issue, not just a political one. Nevertheless, Iraqis are baffled with the infatuation of many Palestinians with Saddam Hussein, who butchered his own people and, if anything, weakened Iraq's role in the Palestinian struggle through his foolish policies. What do you think are the roots of this nostalgia? Well, so of course, it's many levels. And this is a sensitive topic that is really worth addressing head on. I mean, the first one is that it's worth remembering that back in the 90s, it was Saddam who was launching scuds on Israel right at the time. And this was considered to be you know, a big deal because he was the one Arab leader who had defied 
America, Israel, and the West in general. So this was a big deal, I mean, just to see that happening. This was huge for a lot of, for a lot of Palestinians and Jordanians of Palestinian origin as well. And also it's worth mentioning that, that at the time, I mean, I, mean, I mean, you also see now how Saddam is sort of, uh, I mean, he's thought of as the lion of the Sunnis, quote unquote. And basically it all speaks to the disenfranchisement and, the, and really just, just a lack of power that's being felt by a lot of these peoples across the region right now. And Saddam has be, is being held up as a time when Arabs still had dignity, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all of these various things. And of course, you're going to talk about the sectarian angle with Sunnis versus Shiites, et cetera, et cetera. So this, is, I mean, this all plays into the idea, basically, that Saddam was a real protector of the Arabs and the Palestinians and the Sunni Muslims. This is the root of the nostalgia. Now, with that being said, I mean, of course, you have people who realize that Saddam was a dictator who had, who had managed to enact huge, huge injustice on the Iraqi people in general, and of course, also on the many Palestinians who were in Kuwait at the time as well during the invasion. So this is all sort of, uh, and this all comes into play. But for the most part, as you can imagine, for Palestinians who are living there, they know Saddam through the launching of Sked missiles, and they still remember that. That's a very powerful memory for a lot of them, and that's why they sort of venerate him and lionize him. This makes sense. Now, uh, how do you see Iraq's role in supporting the Palestinian cause? So, of course, I mean, the main way that Iraq can help clearly is in sort of resisting the wave of normalizations we've seen elsewhere, right? And this has been happening already. I mean, I mean, Iraq is not on the way to normalizing with Israel quite just yet. And this is despite having many voices in there who are calling for it, whether in the Kurdish region or elsewhere. Now, of course, you can also argue that, that the problem is that Iraq is going to be involved in the resistance axis, quote unquote, and you don't want that either. Because the fact of the matter is that whether it's the resistance axis or the other side, you know, the fact is you just don't want any of these people involved in the Palestinian cause. I mean, finally, it's a grassroots cause right now that has actually managed to galvanize sympathy across the Arab world. And that's why you don't want that to be ruined by associations with, with, let's say, sort of other issues, right? So Iraq can certainly help in terms of preventing, or, or not preventing, but perhaps sort of seeking a more equitable normalization deal, especially one that sort of, that sort of prioritizes Palestinian rights. And of course, also, I mean, the way I think that Iraq can really help, finally, is, you know, you know in not having this idea of an ascendant Iran be everywhere in, in Iraqi politics. And this is a big deal. I mean, the fact of the matter is that a lot of the problems that have been coming out with the Palestinian cause are now related to the Iranian issue in general. So you hear a lot of people saying that, oh, the Palestinian cause has fallen to the wayside because of the Iran-Iraq, uh, I mean, sorry, the Iran-Saudi Arabia uh, you know, issues that are at play here. But the fact of the matter is that Iraq can play a big role in sort of, I mean, I mean finding a solution for these issues, especially between Iran and Saudi Arabia. So the fact is that Iraq's role as a mediator, that's, I think, the most essential way it can help the Palestinian cause. So by effectively basically neutralizing the, uh, the Iranian-Saudi Arabian rivalry, that's perhaps the best way that Iraq can help. Sounds good. Now, on a regional level, we're seeing uh, diplomacy taking place here in Baghdad. The Saudis are speaking with the Iranians. The Iranians are also quite busy in Vienna with the West on the nuclear deal. How do you think all of this will impact Iraq and Palestine? So, I mean, again, the way it's going to, I mean, the way it's going to impact Iraq and Palestine in general is that you need to remove this issue from the regional problems right now. I mean, the Iran-Saudi Arabian rivalry, the Iran-Israel problems, these have been dominating Iraqi politics for a long time now. This needs to end, both for Iraq's sake and the region's sake in general. The fact is that once you can remove that issue you know, from the general calculus, then you can actually focus on the issue of Palestine, you know, you know, as a purely Palestinian issue, right? Right now, you know, by having this on the table all the time, it becomes a matter of, oh, we don't, you know, like we can't worry about the Palestinian issue because we have to worry about Iran. 
oh, you know, we can't do this because then Iran will become ascendant in that area, blah, 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 right, and use this as a way to strike Israel, right? You know, by removing this issue, this is how we can finally actually have a pure Palestinian uh, sort of solution, uh, you know, put into place. And I think that's how Iraq can really help. And of course, obviously, I mean, Iraq itself would be, I think, greatly served by not having itself used, you know, or, or at least thought of as an Iranian proxy, which, by the way, I believe is overblown and, and isn't the case, to be clear. I think there's far more nuance than that. But the fact is that this is what sort of opponents and critics of Iraq have always said, and that's one way to sort of stop this. Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Nabi, for your time and uh, for your insights. Not at all. Thank you. Our hope is that the Palestinian people obtain justice, including their right to return to their homeland, and that the repeated massacres and injustice against them stop, but also that the international community stops turning a blind eye to what most critics are calling a reality of Israeli apartheid and its settler colonial policies. That's it for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify to receive notifications about a new episode from Araki Voices. Until next time, take care. <laughs>